Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I feel like we've already started, but I'll start anyway. <laughs> Distinguished Adventurers last time on Dungeon Drunks. The Heralds are headed north of Waterdeep to have a long-awaited meeting with Thontorvrak, a blue dragon who they've had a variety of dealings with in the past. The crafty dragon insisted the party take a job for him in exchange for the lives of a community of kobolds that are now peacefully settled nearby. They've oh, agreed I forgot to that part. Oh no, we can't say no. To Thontorvrak's proposal, and depending on what the job is, will decide if they accept it or reject it and be prepared to defend themselves if necessary. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM Lauren. You might know me as Oboe. I, I have a bunch of fruit juice. This is just some low sugar mango juice because it's hot and I'm tired. And so I am, I'm just juicing it up. <laughs> I'm just having something refreshing and juicy. And since Bernie spoke up about the whole forgetting about the kobolds, because there was a reason that you agreed to come back and talk to him. And that was the whole, he threatened an entire group of kobolds that you were trying to peacefully resettle. We'll go Bernie next. What are you drinking? I'm trying to say that I'm channeling my inner Travancore because I have a nice glass of rosé. It's from Lola. I don't know if there's Lola in the States. It's like one of those like standardly, it's like, what do they call them? It's what you call a, a weekly bottle of wine. Or sorry, there's a nightly bottle, a weekly bottle, and a monthly bottle. And it's like... Like a table wine? It's between like a, a nightly and a weekly, which is like, this is something that our local... I, I don't know if this is something just the Wine Authority does in Durham. Um, it's a great... If you're ever in Durham, go to the Wine Authority. They're awesome. Uh, I, sh I actually assume they are following COVID precautions because they're just that great. But so they have these ways of describing price points. And they say like, a bottle of wine that you just want to drink in a night and be done, you don't want to spend that much money on. A bottle of wine that maybe you want to take the week to enjoy. Yeah, a bottle of wine that's like, it's also like kind of like, oh, you're going to buy it like you could buy it today, you could buy it again tomorrow. Oh, I'm only going to spend this, spend this money on this like once a week. Oh, I'm only going to spend this much money on a bottle of wine once a month. So it's like a nightly, a weekly, a monthly. A monthly bottle is a splurge. A weekly bottle could be on either. And this is like the low end of a weekly bottle, and it's really quite nice. Awesome. Well, since you called out Travancore, Travancore, what are you drinking? Guten Volk auf Feirun. Guten Tag. Meine Getränk heine Abend ist Franziskaner Weissbier. So, uh, so not, not rosé. Not rosé. <laughs> uh, I feel like I need to go beer. get Luke, as he's the one who can speak German back to you. Uh, uh, it's pretty self-explanatory what I say. Ich spreche Deutsch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, but if we're going to go any further, we, I need a Luke. I'm drinking white beer. <laughs> Let's uh, do a live tasting, see how it is. If it's better than my German, hopefully. It's better than my German, so. Das ist gut. That's not bad. Das ist gut. Das ist gut. Das ist yeah, that's nice. all the German I know. Like, there's that, and there's uh, Flughafen, and Vaheine uh, Abendraben, and then there's Ist alles Schauspiel, yeah? And the only reason I know Ist alles Schauspiel, which means it's all a joke, right? Is because Mick Foley, the wrestler, lost his ear in uh, wrestling in Germany because he didn't know the German word for, word for formaldehyde. What? Well, hold wait. That's... Ooh. <laughs> I, that's, that's hardcore. That's not where... I, 
he didn't know the German word for please don't bite my ear off. But... Well, not even that. No, he lost in a match with Vader. Vader speaks English, so his heads were between the rope, the ear fell off, and he managed to preserve it, and he had to go to the hospital, but, uh, but he actually saw the German nurse throw it in the trash because he did not know the word for formaldehyde. This is the book that got me back into wrestling after, like, a six or seven year lapse. Like, I watched the Bret Hart years, the uh, St- Shawn Michaels years, missed the entire Attitude Era when, like, the pro wrestling was at the hottest with Stone Cold. Started watching it in college because of how good this book was, because of the, he revealed behind the, the, the weird, crazy, carny, behind-the-scenes world that is American professional wrestling. Also, I have to say, your ear doesn't just fall off. It does there not. There was an there inciting incident. There was ropes incident. involved. <laughs> yeah, you said there were ropes? Yeah, like the, there the, was the ring trauma. ropes got caught behind the, uh, his head got caught like in a certain way and it like caused his ear to fall because he lost circulation to it. I'll have to get the exact quote and figure it out. I bet Al, a friend of the show, could probably tell us what happened. Or I'll just go get Luke again. Yeah. Be like, hey, he's a nurse. He could also probably make sure that. <laughs> we need <laughs> Luke for a more lot. Insight into that. I, I, I have a few. Sorry, I don't want to derail us, but I'm going to derail us. Too late. Did he just, could he say, Doss mine ear? Like, nine, nine, ma'am, nine. Do not throw. I don't, I, I, I mean. I don't. To be fair, the Hardcore Legends has taken many blows to the head, so I'm not sure how far. This would have been 93 or 94, so still pretty bad because he was doing that deathmatch stuff. This is like his peak violence period. And this is where, hopefully, I plant the seed for me and you to do a deep dive podcast on professional wrestling. Me? Well, there yeah, you go. You. While the two of you think is about that. Is it just going to be me, like, with this face? Just, like, wh- Basically, why? Basically, yeah. I, you're, you're a historian, and I'm a wrestling fan. I think the two combined could be quite entertaining. I want a theme song of that. Jonathan, <laughs> what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Magic Muscular. And tonight, I have a new entry into the Mead Melee. Mead um, Melee? Yeah. Okay, it is mead melee choice, and it is a, an original craft mead. I actually got this from friend of the show Goober. He, uh, we were playing some board games, and he said, "Hey, you need to come by the house, and uh, I got some mead for you." And he had me this. He got me a four pack of various meads, so this is the first one in it. And I don't get many of these. This is a live tasting. Here we go. Meading is fundamental. Very dry. <laughs> I actually like Gooper's Mead better than this. So I think it'll be fair. Also, I need to interrupt for just a second. Meeting is fundamental caused a variety of, of facial expressions from the Dungeon Drunks crew. Jonathan, I appreciate the fact that you soldiered on as we oh, all, yeah. um, to various extents, glared through Zoom at Jack Adithel. I, I Listen, <laughs> having done a podcast with said Jack Adithel for a very long time, I have resistance to pun. Moving on. We love you. Or though. is it because you make you. them? It's like you were I, born. I would think that Jules's resistance to pun would be quite high. The strongest, I would imagine. She she married into the Dokelman, so it's like sometimes you roll a one on your saving throw. <laughs> I have a plus one spray bottle for resistance to pun. <laughs> spray bottle. No. <laughs> anyway, no. Are you serious? Do you have a spray no, bottle? No. For pun? Bad. Wait. Did you guys? You guys weren't there. So, dear friend, dear friend Hanif. I joke can we keep this in the podcast time. or I got to cut we this? Can, we can add this because I, I, if Hanif is listening, shout out to Hanif, who is just a wonderful human being. When we went to New York Comic Con one year together with a bunch of our friends, uh, like a, a, a friend group that's also from the RT community, 
um, I had been joking about getting a spray bottle for Stevens puns, and I my flight was late. Everybody was waiting outside the train station for me, and I the first thing that is handed to me after I hug my boyfriend, who I had not seen in many many months because we were still long distance, was a spray bottle from Hanif, <laughs> which is how I knew from that moment Hanif always had my back, and we filled it, and I spent all weekend spraying Steven. Nice. And so the spray bottle lives. Anyway, Incredible. back to Jonathan. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. That's, uh, these, these are wonderful tangents. And uh, this wonderful shot of Fireball will be consumed uh, at the first casting of Fireball or the equivalent spell thereof. And it's dedicated to some wonderful people, the employees of the United States Postal Service. Yes, the Postal Service, weirdly, is under siege. It is The postmaster is a dengus. And he is driving the post office in the wrong direction, which shouldn't be surprising given the current environment. However, we recognize that the postal workers, everyone at a, at a at your local post office, your local mail carriers, they are still doing your, their best. The post office is so important, not only to those who are employed by it, but those who use it, not only for small business, but just everyday needs. I myself get my medications from my pharmacy via the post office. They're shipped for free. And it is very important that they get to me in a timely manner so that I don't have to go to the uh, to the pharmacy. So shout out to the Postal Service and uh, all the wonderful, wonderful mail workers. Now, as someone who lives in a state that is 100% vote by mail for everything, it works. You should do it. Absolutely. Everyone should have it. As mm. someone who is an American abroad, the U.S. Post Office is going to enable me to continue to participate in our democracy, as is my right. Someone who got to pay two taxes this year. Um. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're talking about tangents, so I did have one more for, for my little bit here. I got a message from one of our fans, and I really, this message really resonated to me, uh, with me, and I shared it with my, with my uh, fellow players earlier, and I'm going to share it with you. Hey, man, I'm following you guys on Twitter, Dungeon Drunks, and viewing your tweets. You have made some powerful statements lately. And I just wanted to let you know that you are respected and people are listening. Don't lose momentum and keep up the good work, my friend. Thank you so much. Stuff like this really is what keeps us going. And I'm glad that what what we say outside of the Dungeons and Dragons realm is resonating with people because I feel like we're we're trying to look out for you guys. We're trying to give you the, the, the truth as it is. And we will continue to do that for as long as we can. So thank you so much for messages like this. Thank you. And the the fact of the matter is, this is essentially my our home game, just recorded and broadcast for all of you. And so what you get is us. And I love these people. And we're going to talk about shit like this sometimes. Sadly, I did this uh, poorly. If I'd been smart enough, I would have put Jonathan last so that we would just go right into the game. Except I didn't. And so now, Carlton, you have to follow all of this. What are you drinking? <laughs> Carlton John here. Uh, I have no tangents. I have no deep, meaningful things today. But I do have another one of those lemonades. This one is blackberry lemonade. Ooh. Yes. It's okay. We we did tangents and deep, meaningful things. And we can also enjoy Ooh. drinks blackberry and Blackberry lemonade is wonderful and meaningful. Yeah. And blackberries are in season. Yes. As of this yeah. recording. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's light and refreshing. And, you know, Texas is very hot in the summer. So it's a nice reprieve. Mm, and it matches your hair. And it does. You know who probably has some deep, meaningful things to say to you? Thunder of Rack. You know who you're going off to see? Thunder of Rack. But he doesn't match our hair. He, uh, no, none of you currently have dragon blue hair. 
That is true. It is the late afternoon on Alterek the 29th. It is the second day of your travels outside of Waterdeep as you have gone north along the road following the instructions that you were given to get to the town of Larlet, which is apparently where you've been told that you will meet up with Antovrak to talk about jobs, the future, musical instruments, other things. We will have to see. You are... Uh, just now arriving at the town. It, it's been an un- uneventful trip. People with your obvious power, especially just close to Waterdeep, you're not, even some of the wildlife in this area know to avoid you. And so it's been a fairly nice uneventful trip. And now take as you wildlife. arrive, huh? I said, take that wildlife. There you go. <laughs> like, even even some of the, there's a couple, there were some flail snails hanging out. It took one look at you and went, nope, and then incredibly slowly moved like, away. Moved away at a snail's pace. So, you've arrived at this town, and all you know is that you are supposed to find him at the burnt windmill. And Jonathan was informed, and some of you kind of remember, that this was a mining town until there was some sort of calamity. Something happened in the mine that caused a giant explosion. And it's been on fire ever since. So wait, no, that's real life. (laughs) No, it's not. It was not a methane explosion, uh, fortunately. So as you're arriving just before the sun sets, you, you think you've maybe got about another hour before the sun goes down. You arrive at the skeleton of this town, just off the main road. It is obviously a a bunch of very old houses, charred and anciently burnt, but also covered with snow and some newer growth under that. So it's less spooky and more just a little sad because it's been so many years since this obviously happened. But you wind your way down what used to be the main road leading into this this little town. It's just on the side of some gentle hills. And you can probably see off in the distance, those of you with a high enough passive perception, the, the mine tracks leading into the surrounding hills where the mining used to take place. This wasn't a very large town, but it is dominated by the skeletal burnt remains of a windmill. Three of the four... Sales? I guess that's what it's called. The yeah. you know the the, yeah, the they're terms so. they're called sales. Yeah. yeah. Three of the four sales are long gone. The fourth doesn't even have any of the 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 webbing in between. It's just the the frame of it. It looks like it might have been the only thing in town that was originally built to last. Everything else here looks like it was the equivalent of of like a, a put up house. And this seemed to have survived whatever explosion happened the most. It is a pretty overcast day. It's not currently snowing, but it is cold. It is the middle of winter. And it is quiet, but not disturbingly so. And at this moment, you have no view of any blue dragon. What would you like to do? Travicor wants to sort of do checks to see uh, on the windmill in the surrounding area to see if he can intuit what caused the explosion or like uh, get a sense of whether a dragon... Like, or light, ragged lightning could have caused this explosion. Uh, sure. Give me an investigation check. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I was, I was hoping you'd say that. 
I was, I was pondering survival, but I will take investigation. Seven. This happened so many years ago, and unless you were to do some hardcore, almost archaeology at this point, it'd be really hard to tell. What you can tell, even with a seven, especially from what Jonathan was able to tell you about, is it does look like fire. It looks like burnt marks. So whatever happened, there was actual fire, not just lightning damage. But you don't see any signs of lightning. It looks like this place burnt to the ground. Hmm. Jonathan the Medimuscular, as soon as he starts looking around, it's going to sort of just give everything sort of the the wonky eye and say, well, I guess we set up camp somewhere? Wait. He said, did he give a time of day? He said sundown. And it's what down? It's maybe an hour at most until sundown. Well, tell you what, let's let's hobble our horses somewhere else in town and we ourselves will hang around the burnt out mill. I was going to say, maybe take the high ground in the windmill. I mean, yeah, yeah. And get like a good vantage point because then we'll be able to see him coming on the horizon. Will we, though? He was invisible last time. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually, Bernie kind of wanted to, oh, she's got detect magic, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah wait, if only Did we had a, like, a lantern that reveals invisible We things. also have a lantern. Yep. Oh, wait, uh, we got the lantern. Let's not waste a spell. Travancore pulls out the lantern. Awesome. Uh, remind me how, what range is the lantern? One moment, I will look into my D&D Beyond and let you know. I love D&D Beyond. I so have not been into Psychic this morning. Handimus, Dandimus, no, you, you, you D&D Beyond. We'll just, every morning, th- oh. that's what happens. I spend my 8th level spell on, okay. on Carlton. I was just uh, d- adjusting my thing, but I'll leave it going. 30 foot radius. I, I think Lauren will tell us if we're in a situation where I've where it matters that I haven't been able to get it off. Gotcha. I I think, especially in this case, since we we just kind of moved through the morning, I'm more than happy because you have said that that is going to be a thing you will do every morning. I'm happy with you saying that. And Jonathan has perfect recall, so he's not going to forget a routine. Uh, and and if I think there's going to be some reason why the routine will have been broken, or it's been it's it's an eight hour duration for that twenty four hour. Okay. Uh. So yeah. I'll, I'll I I think it's safe to say that's. You tell me when it doesn't happen. How about that? Okay. Uh, Travancore. Uh, so yeah, you know it's a 30-foot radius. You don't see any dragons, but you know it's a 30-foot radius. Mm, nothing nearby. Do you want to do a perimeter around the windmill? Uh, Jonathan the Man of Muscular can do that. Oh, <laughs> you know, the, the pre-casting of uh, Mind Blank in the morning makes one thing a lot easier. USPS. There you go. There you go. Ah. All right. Ooh. So some of you are are placing the horses in a in a safe location. Um, I'll say if you want to basically tie them up just outside of town, there's really no structures here that have survived whatever happened. The windmill is the only thing, and even it, we'll get to it in a second. So there's no place inside to keep the horses, but you can tie them up just on the edge of town and where they'll be far enough away from the windmill that they shouldn't get into trouble if things go bad. Uh, and then you want to kind of circle the windmill looking for anything in specific? Yeah, just kind of give it the give it the once over. Alright, roll me a perception check, Jonathan. Oh god. Uh, why am I doing this? Because you're the one because who wanted sp- to give it the once uh, over. 
Bernie said she wanted to do a perimeter. You can assume she's with him. All right, I'll let Jonathan roll with advantage. Woo! Since Bernie is helping you. Yeah. Good thing, too. Yeah, so 17. Okay. With a 17, you can very clearly see this windmill, while it's survived and is stable, you wouldn't want to climb it. You would not want to get up on top of it. Uh, A whole section of the side is just exposed to the elements. So it's actually pretty clearly clear to see deep into it. And while once there was a stairwell that led to the top, uh, mostly for repairs, it's a a windmill, there'd be no easy way to get to the top of this. And yeah, you don't think either you nor... A dragon could set on top of this thing and not be in some pretty serious danger. But it's it's not in danger of falling over on its own. It's going to take something like people being in it, a dragon jumping on top of it, a big storm. You think another storm or two in this thing is coming down, but it's not an imminent danger. Otherwise, you don't see any other signs of anything. Yeah, Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to send... Are there any trees around? I, Jonathan the Magimuscular is thinking he wants to send Bucks to scout. But okay. Bucks is a small owl in a sky with a blue dragon and doesn't want to get him like in trouble. So I, I was hoping there would maybe like a tree that Bucks could hang out in. Doesn't Bernie have a bag of creatures? Bernie also has a bag of uh, a yellow bag of tricks, I believe. But uh, to answer your question, Jonathan, the the whole surrounding area is forested okay. all the way up into the the gentle hills, and even those are kind of dotted with trees. This is this is a a light forest in this area. Even the t- the remains of the town itself is overgrown, and and there aren't any trees in town, but there's shrubs and bits of wildlife have started to come back, even if they're covered in snow. So he okay. could definitely perch somewhere okay so jonathan the muscular has a proposal as soon as it starts getting to game time we'll say so like mid-afternoon uh we're gonna start doing hourly telebond oh it's it's well after minute like within the next hour it's gonna be sundown okay we're gonna start hourly telebond castings and we will include the animals and which horse do we want to include in today's <laughs> Telbond? Who seems like the leader of the horses? What was that? I'm sorry? Who? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's, I heard something. There, I, heard, I heard a fellow voice from the wind. And Jonathan <laughs> Benmuskin is going to oh, no. kind of get down on, on his haunches and be like, what was that? Peanut butter. Okay. Or is it Horsey the Clydesdale? Mm. Horsey the Clydesdale is, is, is big. That doesn't make one a leader. If only more people knew that. <laughs> tell you what, on the way back, we will tell Bond with the horses specifically to determine their leadership structure. But for the moment... If only you had a D4, Jonathan. <laughs> I some things in Jonathan the Muscular's life are definitely left up to chance. Some things we can take agency in. And I choose peanut butter. Peanut butter, you're in the call. All right, Salut. all the people and all the animals and peanut butter Mon in the car. Ami. Oh, <laughs> no, uh, so I I am going to play peanut butter. Damn, oh, can peanut yes. butter please be French? Well, I did a lookup. <laughs> Riding horses of an intelligence of two. I didn't say you to be smart. I said you to be French. Uh, here's well, 
you can give a French accent to all of the noises you're about to hear. Because here's the thing. Lauren recently had this exact experience on the opposite side. So you all get into the telepathic bond and you all start to talk. And then every once in a while you hear. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they need it into three. I don't know if they, I don't know what intelligence they actually need. But a riding horse does not speak any languages. It seems as weird. An intelligent of I'm pretty sure I've cast speak with animals to them before, though. Speak with animals is different ah, than Rary's telepathic bond. I see. Speak with animals kind of like the flavor behind speak with animals and other things like that is is that you're almost doing nonverbal communication and there's more there's more just general ideas being pass back and forth and with a lot of your animals we let a lot of things slide because your animals are as exceptional as all of you are but peanut butter the riding horse in a french accent (laughs) 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 wait hold on you hear a whinny there's a really cool video where they talk about how different languages have different like in like what what it's tell me how what does a dog say Oh, yeah, the whole idea that dogs, like animals, especially uh, animals that work with humans, have accents because they learn. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen I've seen stuff like that. Okay, so anyway, you get everybody into the call, including Peanut Butter, who every once in a while whinnies in your head. It's adorable. I have. It does not contribute to the conversation at all. Friends, I have good news. Lauren is correct. You need to have an intelligence of two or more, more than two. To get into Rare's Tap Back and It doesn't affect creatures with intelligence two or less. Horses go. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. It does is does not Yes. Read read to me that sentence okay, again hang because on, you hang just on. Said, let me let yeah. me tell because I just had it and then I got rid of it. One second. Because I'm gonna let it happen either way. You're just right, only right. gonna hear horse. Creatures noises. with an intelligence score of two or less aren't affected by the spell. However, the, the good news Mastiffs have an intelligence of three. Also, Coco Snoot is an exceptional Mastiff, Coco and that's why Coco Snoot... I paid good money for Coco Snoot. I got the best that they He's had. He's got an intelligence of four, probably. The he Baron, probably... Baron yes. is, is smart. He's smartest. Smartest dog. Smartest but that's also dog. why Coco Snoot on a regular basis can't do quite as much as Shadow can, uh, or Bucks can. But anyway, yes. Coco Snoot doesn't fight. Coco Snoot carries things and sasses people. Exactly. I will allow... Peanut butter to be in the call, but yes, all you will hear will be Winnie noises. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's L, because there's never not an article, unless it's Cuba. And, and if any of you happen to be standing close enough to, to peanut butter, when peanut butter makes one of these noises, you realize that peanut butter is making the noise both out loud and in the psychic call. Huh. Does not seem to comprehend that one is different than the other. Fascinating. My horse is an idiot. I love it. <laughs> just the best muscular. It's just like, like peanut butter is like munching on oats or a sugar cube or an apple or whatever. And he's just like looking at the horse's mouth going. Because he hears the chewing in his mind. I love you. Bernie's going to pet peanut butter. She's going to say, I love you. In both the call and out loud. Seems like a happy horse. <laughs> oh wow! I, Jonathan the Magic Muscular wasn't sure what he uh, what he expected to happen there, but uh, you know, oh, hey, oh. moment of levity, guys. Yeah, moment Bernie of levity. was ready to do a 
a, a French accent and really horribly pronounced French words from this horse. But that's so, yes. why. So, oh, God, you can save it for the next animal or PC. <laughs> Do you know that in French, roosters go Coco Rico? <laughs> What really? Yeah, I told you all the all the animal noises that we have are very language specific. You have this moment of levity where you're all just realizing that oh yeah, when you include a horse in the call, you're going to hear his whinnies. When you hear from relatively far away, obviously being uh, to some of your ears, obviously being amplified with a bit of thaumaturgy. Well, aren't they adorable? And you turn and. Most of you turn just in time to see the fairly intimidating sight of a large blue dragon sitting on top of the nearest hill. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, High Rollers, C-Team, Beyond Heroes, and more. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for the show, and thanks to the fine folks who make Idle Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on August 23rd at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. S-C-U-L-N-O-O-B-D-A-W-N so use that code and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. And you turn, and most of you turn just in time to see the fairly intimidating sight of a large blue dragon sitting on top of the nearest hill, the one that the minecarts were wrapping their way towards just outside of town. And it's only the massive bulk of this creature uh, standing in sharp contrast to the gray sky and the, and the white snow that makes it obvious. And as soon as you all acknowledge each other, it stands up and stretches like a cat and then flies into the air good 60, 70 feet up. And you watch as, as he circles the entire town and then lands just back outside of town again and says, Well, we've got a little bit of time before the sun goes down. Shall we parlay? Yes. I want to ask you, speaking of pigs Wait, and Wait, I thought horses, we were going to talk, not party. Oh, oh, honey. He has a lot of very important uses. Uh, talking is not one of them. I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you, Wait, Julia's checking. Dragons speak draconic, right? Yeah. One could assume, yes. So, what do horses say in draconic? Because we know what they say in common. Uh, they're usually screaming as I eat them. But you have to, like, you know they make other noises, right? When they go, like, do you guys go, mm, or do you kind of go, like, the winning, or, like, like dogs. Dogs go woof woof in common, but in gnomish, dogs go bow bow. You have different words for your animals, depending on what language you speak. 
How yeah, quaint. that's how languages usually develop because your brain changes depending on what language you speak as a child. So you make different sounds with your mouth, like in Gnomish, uh, the, the common alphabet letters A and E together make a hard I sound, but doesn't make that in common, which makes things a little hard sometimes. But yeah, Travancore, right? Like, Perconum's language, what do the horses say in Perconum? <laughs> See? This is all very fascinating and probably explains why your various cultures don't seem to ever grow past your very pedestrian means, if this is what you're concerned about. This is not what I wanted to come and talk to you about. Shall we get on with business? I don't know. You like music. I thought you'd like the music of language. Only if there is actual music involved. Music of music guy. We understand. Hmm. So, how was your trip? Eventful. There's a lot of leaves on trees. 99 of them, to be precise. Twice. I was thinking more about the trip that you had taken that I was waiting on for you to be done, so then we could have this little chat and I could offer you a job, you know? Well, oh, that was a lot of I spy. Then all you need to know is that it's done. So let's hear about this job. Fair enough. So... I think you may have already had an idea of something that I was interested in getting. The instrument that you had, that I wanted, that you decided needed to go somewhere else and made relatively persuasive arguments about. It wounds me that I don't have that. But, fortunate for all of us, I have lines on another. And so I would like you to go and get it for me. We're going to need some details there, Thontorvrak. That's true. I do not expect you to do the same thing I did, which is spend many years tracking it down. I'm going to save you all the trouble. I believe a couple of you only live for the hundred or so years, and I don't really feel like waiting that long. Are you at all familiar with the Olim Harp? The Olim the- You've heard of her- heard of it. Yes. It's obviously one of the legendary instruments of the bards. I would like to get my hands on it, put it into some very talented people's hands so that I could listen to that music coming out of it. It would be my pleasure to rescue this instrument from the depths of the ocean that it now resides. Specifically, have any of you been to the Isle of Dread? I'm going to take that as a no. No, no but I'm interested. Of, how about the plane of water? Nope. No. There, well, hold on. Jonathan the Magimuscular learned a lot, but I think I missed the day where they talked about the plane of water. Also, Thontorvac, I know that you don't often go in for other species. I don't know if you know this. We cannot breathe underwater. No, neither can I, but that's what magic is for. And other things. There's ways of making it work. So here is what I've discovered many, 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 many years ago, long before most of you were born, maybe even long enough that it was before when I was born. The Olam Harp was on a ship that was traveling and then got caught in one of those storms that travel between the plains and was sent to the Plain of Water because, yes, those things exist. 
most of the elements have their own plane. If you go too far north in the plane of water, it turns into the Frostfell and it's all snowy. You go in the wrong direction and it's all steam and hot. Uh, you go in the very wrong direction, you end up in the Feywild. I would not go there. That's not fun. Uh, yeah, been there yeah. Been. Nope, nope, nope. We, yeah, we don't really nope. want to go back, no. No, it's fine. Yeah, we're good. So this ship, like many that have come before it found its way through one of the rifts between the worlds. And so it ended up like most ships on this endless sea in the plain of water, ah, crashed upon the Isle of Dread. And that's where I've lost track of it, because you see, at this point, in order to know more, I need to have someone go do a little scouting about See if they can find out what happened to it. Because while I believe everything else on the ship, the ship itself and even the people on the ship would not survive such a trip and such a harsh landing, this is a legendarily wonderful magical item that has survived much. And if anything could survive, it is that harp. Huh. This seems pretty reasonable, right? Guys. So is it like just one giant ocean? Most of it, yes. The Isle of Dread would be one of the few places that have land. Jonathan the Magimuscular raises his hand. <laughs> While he's raising his hand, Travancore wants to incite Thontorvac, having very little faith that this role will yield anything useful, but willing to try anyway. Alright, roll your insight. Jonathan, go ahead and ask your question. Hi. Thontorvac just looks at you. So, this pla- elemental plane of water, is it like Three dimensions of water throughout, like endless water, like almost like water space? Or is it just like flat ocean and there's a sky? Because it sounds that way if there's an island. Or is this island like a... Like a like bubble. A, like a bubble with rocks in it. Yeah. Good, good call, Bernie. I've never been there myself, so I can't tell you all of the details, but my understanding is imagine an ocean, an endless one, that eventually becomes ice, or steam, or the end of the world, and an island. Okay. Travancore, what'd you get? Thirteen. Thirteen? It's obvious that he's he's being persuasive he is being charis he's trying to be charismatic he is reveling a bit in the fact that he is being instructive like the fact that jonathan the self-proclaimed most intelligent one of your group didn't know about this he's getting a little a little bit of that perverse pleasure of i'm telling you something that you didn't know he doesn't seem to be lying about anything but i mean He's a pretty charismatic dragon, and so you're unsure if you're reading him completely, but you don't you don't sense any deception here. So here's the thing. Jonathan the Magimuscular took planar mechanics in the spring, and it got really nice in the spring in Neverwinter. So and it was like an afternoon class. So Jonathan the Magimuscular admits he may have skipped just enough days to pass. Listen, I have contacted and contracted you because of your power and your ability to improvise on the fly. You are fate changers. I'm not asking you to be knowledgeable about everything. In fact, you don't need to be knowledgeable about this one thing. I'll just tell you everything you need to know. Actually, I, it, 
under the category of things that we need to know, how do you feel about bibliographies? I'm curious. Great. What's your source for this? I have quite a few. Some people that I've talked to. Uh, some information that I found out through searching for some of the other instruments. I have some writings from Folletier himself. I even, you know, talked to a couple of dead bodies after having a chat with the cleric. That's always interesting, you know. They they really do run the gamut when you talk to them. Well, they are already dead, so you have to be extra persuasive to get what you want. Okay. Jonathan the Metamuscular feels like we've maybe got enough to get started. We have our own resources that we can use to get more information. And it sounds like the spellcasters of the group are going to have their work cut out for us for traveling in a plane of water. Yeah. One last question, Zontorvac, sort of about the bigger picture. And Bernie may be trying to be... I don't know if charismatic or persuasive. I'll let you decide, Lauren, when it comes to it. She's trying to be a good negotiator. Sure. It seems like your goal in collecting these instruments is not to let them lay somewhere in a cabinet. Am I correct? Well, they'll eventually be in my cabinet, but no, the whole point of this is to have them be played, of course. That's the beauty of music. It is one thing to have the the written page. It's another to have it played by a maestro. And owning the instruments owns you the right for them to be played. The same way employing you gets me what I want, owning the instruments gets me what I want. Good that we're in agreement on that. Knowing, well, I mean, your life is long, so time, I suppose, runs a little differently for you. But are you a private collector of sorts, or do you enjoy music in the public sense, in that good music is a gift to everyone who hears it? The dragon sits up a little bit and leans in a little closer, and you've moved close enough that you don't have to use thaumaturgy to talk, but, you know, well well out of what immediate is danger. What is the of water?! Well, yeah, exactly. I'm not going to catch any diseases anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming this this is less social distancing and more a uh, breath weapon distancing. And he has a booming voice, but he leans in a little bit kind of curiously and says, "Are you interested in a private performance?" Um, I'm interested in if you would want to share the performance with other people or if your pleasure lies in having a thing that no one else can have. I assume that perhaps since you are interested in having these played, that you would be interested in making sure many can hear them played. That's an interesting assumption. Is it a wrong assumption? Make a persuasion check. Okay. Okay, D&D Beyond, what's my persuasion? Persuasion. 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 And I will say this is going to be less about convincing Thontorvrak to answer you and more convincing him to not be angered by your question. It's a 13. Okay. A little bit of a wry grin 
comes over his face. You see the sharp teeth. And the hair on the back of your neck stands a little bit, both at the just obvious menace of this creature. And also, uh, Thunderfrack is wreathed in that feeling of the calm before a intense thunderstorm that electricity in the air the static that you can feel just before a lightning strike and you hear a little bit of a, a chuckle as he says my pleasures are my own and that's all i care about but i can be persuaded to have more public performances if it suits me if the reasons are more than just curiosity. What if I were to tell you that we happened to know some like-minded individuals who also believe that the purpose of the instruments is not to sit in a dark and dusty cabinet for the rest of their existence, but to be played, and to be played by... The kind of beings who have the talent for making a bardic instrument sound like a bardic instrument and not a recorder. Jonathan the Magic Muscular, like, looks down at Bernie slowly, kind of taking in what she's saying. And, and, and he doesn't do this out loud. He perks his lips, but an impressed whistle comes in through the thaw, like, paid attention when you were talking to her <laughs> but but oh yeah out of, out of game this is a fucking awesome way to try and like steer this i'm for this i thought this was the Fate point changers foosball players concert promoters she wants the bardic instruments played it's like it's this is literally, I've seen this before because I watched bed knobs and broomsticks as a child <laughs> and I know that if someone has one half of the book and the other person has the other half of the book, you're never going to get to the Isle of Zaboombu without both halves of the book and you're not going to get the Star of Astaroth. So what are you going to do? you got to put the book together and the guy that threatens you with a knife does need to go, but that's fine because you got the bed with the magic bed knobs. <laughs> yeah, right? So... She's not going to give up her bardic instruments. He's not going to give up his bardic instruments. But they could form a music appreciation club. No, Jonathan the Muscular was like, no, compartmentalize. Keep them separate. All right, you say <laughs> this. might be blown. But not out loud. This is Julia. This is this something I thought we were all, I thought we were all working towards no. this. The moment she was like, public performances, but we need them all to form an orchestra. And I was like, Thontrovac's not going to go for giving up his instruments, but he might go for becoming a patron of the arts with his name on no, a lot of shiny buildings. I not think what we were going to do. It's like on the, on the new wing of the orchestra building, no. donated by Thontrovac. A giant open air amphitheater that is protected by magic from the elements. So when it snows, you can still have it and then we have an entire box seat that's really just sort of the upper level deck and he kind of curls around it i'm the only one who thought about this yes travancore wants to check against his knowledge of dragons <laughs> in general and thontrovac specifically to see whether he could put aside his selfish proclivities um for enough time to be able to be pragmatic enough to to entertain this kind of idea here's what i'm gonna say that's not a role that I want you to do. I think you know enough about dragons and Thontorvrak that you and Travancore can make up your own mind. However, with that thought, as you contemplate that and decide for yourself, 
Zondervrak is going to respond to Bernie, and I'm going to let you roll an insight check with advantage. So Wait, me or Bernie- Travancore? Uh, Travancore. Okay. Uh, Travancore can roll an insight check with advantage because he's having these thoughts about what he knows about uh, Thontorvrak, what he knows about Blue Dragons, what he knows about these instruments, like everything. And he's going to read into this moment as, Bernie, you say that, and Thontorvrak leans in and says, I'm listening. What did you roll, Travancore? 14. There's a glee there. Oh. You can't read... Why? But there's a... He's gleeful at this idea. He's gleeful at the potential of what Bernie's about to say. Does Travancore give Bernie any mental warnings in the chat? He's... I'll I'll say you've piqued his interest. Although we might have to protect Hedge against his his nature. And that's Travancore just sort of figuring out, like, yeah, you know what? Pragmatically speaking, if he has a chance to hear all the instruments being played, he'll take it. What he does after that, though... Might be something you have to protect against. And that's sort of Travancore's take on it. Jonathan the Muscular, with his brilliant mind that facilitates this, this meeting of minds, this network of minds that we are communicating in, is he does the whistle and then he kind of did what I just did. Very softly, not overwhelmingly, but just kind of saying, I thought we were going to keep them separate. I didn't think we, we like Thontorvrak's over there and all the other instruments are over there and he could have his, but then he can't have this one. And they would just be, and he continues with that. Bernie says in, in the chat, like right as like she's, as she's waiting in the time it took Julia to do that rant, Bernie says, I think he wants them all and he wants them all to be played. And I would prefer he not have to attack an entire town one day to get them. But if he just cares about playing them. Jonathan the Magmusco's ranting comes to an end after you say that. And he's like, why not? Carlton, as all this is going on, what are you, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Carlton, if he's being honest. I want honesty from my Carlton. Is picturing himself... In full pirate garb, captaining the ship, splash buckling along the plane of the sea. <laughs> They're talking about musical performances. And Carlton's like, Pirate Carlton sailing the seas of endless ocean. Yes, he does. <laughs> Fair enough. Bravo. Fair enough. I love Carlton. This is why we love Carlton. Because <laughs> Carlton plans ahead, and Bernie didn't think we need to do some pirate shopping, and now she knows we do. We do. We definitely do. So you gotta get an eye patch that covers one eye. But your eye's not gone. It's just that when you have to go below deck, you switch to the other side so that this eye is adjusted to the darkness and you can see. And Carlton looks really cool in pirate eye. Her. Bernie, before she answers, she goes, oh! and then in the chat, she goes, we'll get you a bedazzled eye patch. And <laughs> <laughs> you just hear Carlton in the very telepathic bongo. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Bernie says, I think that you know that one bardic instrument is wonderful. And they seem like the type of thing where, despite their power, and despite, and having plucked one once or twice, they are rather magnificent on their own. But together, they are a whole that is greater than the sum of their parts. And it would be a shame if they were left separate. Don't you think? You know, I completely agree. But I have not felt the need to 
ransack Waterdeep just for my own curiosity, but I have a feeling you have something else in mind. What if someone in Waterdeep also would like to unite all of the bardic instruments in order to have them played publicly and often? How do you feel about becoming a patron of the arts? Well, I already am that. Just because I only care about my own private performances does not make me any less a patron. However, that being said, your offer is incredibly enticing. And I'm not surprised there would be somebody in Waterdeep who would feel the same way. I have always dreamed that Waterdeep might be filled with people who agree that music should be a much more important part of their lives. But are you suggesting I give you the means... All of the information that I've gathered over years of hard research to go get this instrument, only to once again give it to somebody else? What am I going to get out of this? Have you ever heard of Captain Planet? I read a children's story about it once. I was not very keen on the whole idea of Heart being the most powerful. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I feel ya. <laughs> I got dug on my tea like that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Well, I thought the greatest takeaway was not who's the most powerful, but that our powers combined make something pretty great, represented by a man in blue tights. I don't know that I can fully speak for my companions or the contacts we have in Waterdeep. However, I suggest that we get this bardic instrument and we bring it to you. I will suggest to our contact in Waterdeep that you combine your powers with full understanding that at the end of the performances, the bardic instruments go back to their homes, but that there be performances, performances that are free and accessible to the public because you will need players and our lives are short. And your life is long. And in that audience may be a tiny player that will one day grow up to play that instrument and continue its song. So as a long-term investment for your own enjoyment and as something that would require a minimal amount of effort, really, if you think about it, to get what you want. And I think there's opening in the negotiations for a private box and an open-air amphitheater, but that's just my own. But I think the best course of action is to be willing to form a partnership. And may I ask, this excellent plan you have, who is it that I would be partnering with? Who owns these instruments? Bernie's gonna mentally elbow Jonathan. Let's take this one thing at a time, Thunterfrack. We have an excellent plan that benefits everyone that Bernie has just laid out. And I think if we can have an agreement in principle, then we can go back to the other parties and see if we can bring those principles closer to an actual agreement. Something concrete, something that everyone would abide by. Oh, Jonathan, 
I appreciate your discretion so much. And a grin just like ear to ear on this massive dragon Jonathan appears. Jonathan the Magimuscular feels like he needs to make a constitution saving throw. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> he is disturbed by this. Bernie would like to incite Thontorvac on that. Sure, I'm going to finish. Uh, go ahead and roll insight. The delight, uh, you can all tell, on this dragon's face is obvious. There's a little bit of, of playfulness as he looks at Jonathan. What'd you roll? Rolled a nine. Nine. This is not dangerous. I'll give you that. That's the only other thing that you like because you're taking the moment. You don't think this is like the cat grinning just before it strikes. No, she wants to know if the cat's going to strike water deep. Oh, that you don't know. Hmm. You can tell at this very moment you are not being... That this grin is not the grin just before you're eaten. What Thondorvrak does say as the two of you present this excellent argument, and then Jonathan coyly avoids mentioning a person, Thondorvrak says, If I remember correctly, the last one, the one that you were supposed to give to me, the one that you instead brought to your employers, correct? I think that was the argument you gave. Something about the watchful order. Yes, that's all I'll say. Thondervrex sits up, and Jonathan, you see him casting a spell. And you recognize it ascending. Okay. And there's a very long... I wanted to give you the moment. I want no, to know what you're going to do. I mean, I think... Look, Bernie has done a lot of work to keep this encounter peaceful and productive and i oh, yeah. think counterspelling would be counter to that nope i know but i wanted to so yes he's he casts a spell and i'll say bernie you recognize sending as well uh both of you have that spell obviously you do not hear the conversation but it's very obvious thunderrex sends something you see you see him do the thing in where he looks up and to the left and then he looks down at you and he looks up a little bit, and then he cocks his head again. And that grin that he's had, if possible, gets bigger. How? He's got a lot of teeth, man. And yeah. he chuckles a little bit. <laughs> oh, this is too perfect. Jonathan. Mr. Magimuscular. See? Mr. Second Level... Wizard at the Watchful Order of Magis and Protectors. Your friend Bernie makes a very persuasive argument. I believe you know someone that you can deliver this instrument directly to. I want assurances when the performance happens. I will be allowed to see it and hear it without issue, without harassment, without problem. You find a place, maybe just on the edge of the city. And once it's done, the instrument is mine again. But then we've made a connection. And who's to say that that connection won't be fruitful in the future? And then you watch as a claw reaches out to the side. And almost like a magic trick, he swirls his claw and closes his hand around something and then it opens back up and you see a little tuning fork 
made out of some very intricate white coral. And he takes it and places it on a rock in the snow in front of him and says, I agree to these terms. I will give you no time constraints, but you should go now or soon when you are prepared. Don't be going off on any other journeys. Go do this next. And when you. Well, we got to take our horses back to stable. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need water, water. I assume there will be preparations, but don't be going off somewhere else on some other adventure. This is your next adventure. And when you return with my harp and you arrive in Waterdeep and you give it to her, you let me know and we'll make arrangements from there. And with that, Thantravrak leans back and his wings... And he starts to rise into the air and you all have to wince back as the snow swirls around as it is pushed by his massive wings. And he flies up into the air and he does another circle around and then he flies off to the west, out of sight. Barney turns to the group and goes, that was better than death and judgment, right? I I think it's a great deal, actually. (laughs) Pirate Carlton sailing the endless seas. And Brody just puts a thumb. She's like, see? see." (laughs) Everybody wins. We increase the size of the pie. We get to unite the instruments. Uh, Thantravik gets what he wants. The Watch Order gets what they want. We get what we want, which is to say survival. I like this outside-the-box thinking. Like, uh, you haven't taken the size of the pie. You've increased the size of the pie and made it into a quiche or or pizza of some kind. Or maybe a fugazetti? How about a frittata? Frittata. Jonathan the Magimuscular has watched. He's taken a deep breath. He hasn't said anything in the call. He's just watching Thontorvrak fly away. And he just keeps watching. He hasn't moved. In the call, Bernie's going to say, So I think our first stop when we get back might be to tell your boss that we sort of, um, made a deal on their behalf. Jonathan the Muscular, forgetting himself for a second, turns to the group and says out loud, not in the call, how the fuck did he know that I was second level? Uh, yeah, I think... There's only one person who would have ta- who would take delivery of this instrument, and that's Belana Zedok. There's did a lot of... Did she already know Thontorvrak? Maybe. Well... I hope it's not Razor Rizzer Hopper. That would make me so sad. Okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie's like, okay, hold on, wait, no. Could be Razzo. And as Carlton is sort of the heart of this group. (laughs) I really am. (laughs) I would look to him to back me up on this. Bernie's like trying to tread so carefully here. (laughs) She's like, "Uh, uh." so I would like to remind you that we know Santorvac and we are employed by him. And we came to Waterdeep. We were employed by him. And that has never really been a stain on our record. Despite his reputation. Well, the general, right? It's right, right, Travancore, the general reputation of those kinds of dragons. Not great. Not great. I don't think it is fair to go in angry. There are so many things that we don't tell people that we don't tell your boss, that we don't tell each other sometimes. 
And people have secrets from us. That's okay. And people have side gigs. Our life is made of them. So it is okay to be frustrated that Bellana would know that we've got a blue dragon that wants us to find these things and then she's working for him. That, that seems weird because like, hey, with same ends, right? And there could very well be someone who works at the Amethyst Acropolis and also has a side gig with Thontorvac and a very close relationship that often has sendings. But if you go in on the attack, all they're going to be is on the defensive. You, you, as you've been saying this, Jonathan the Metromuscular, his head is still turned. His head is kind of turned. And in the snow, you could normally see steam, like steam coming out of his mouth. <laughs> You're seeing like his mouth almost glow blue and, and with every breath. And like his hands are kind of glowing blue. And then as you keep talking, the blue starts to get a little dimmer and a little dimmer. <sighs> and Jonathan, if there is a mole in the Amethyst Acropolis, it would do well for us that we keep our cool. And this is coming from me. I'm the king of not keeping my cool. You're pretty cool. I think you're pretty cool. Yeah, I am pretty cool. But if you go in there guns a-blazing, cool, you're out. But if somebody is working for Thontrovac and undermining the Acropolis, you can expose the corruption from the inside. Well, and this is the first, this is like after his outburst, he's calming down and Jonathan the Muscular kind of looks at Bernie and gives a little, little like smile and just like, you're right. All of you are right. We, we definitely keep things of each other on a little slight flare up of blue on around his fist that a little annoyed that when I mentioned Thontrofrac, that seemed like nothing, but that's okay. Like you all said, we have an excellent deal. We can make this work. And if Jonathan the Magimuscular has to use all of his arcane power to protect this piece, that's what he'll do. Yeah! And on the bright side, we all get to be pirates. Pirates. Yay! <laughs> Say our Travancore. It'll make it a lot better. Our. Guys, guys, guys. Pirate Shadow. He'll be so adorable. And we'll get an eye patch and a fun little jaunt. Can we get him a jaunty little striped bandana? Or like a cape that's the Jolly Roger, like the skull and crossbones that just like flaps in the wind when he's charging and shooting his fire bear. We could get the Jolly Roger bleached into his fur. I don't know why we're not doing this right now. Yes. <laughs> we are going to the bear salon in Waterdeep and we are getting the Jolly Roger dyed into his fur. And then Thondervac flies back and goes, no, no, I said you could prepare. This is not what I said. I did I not say it's mission is, That's mission essential. Like, if we're going to be pirates, we have to be, we, we need to get our party sea ready. And that's part of that is getting Shadow sea ready. And part of that is putting him in a pirate costume. Isn't that right, I, Shadow? I think we should make Shadow the flag. From somewhere in the distance, you hear Thontrofrac going, absolutely, everybody needs to be fabulous on this trip. That's half the fun. Oh. <laughs> I really want to bleach. I, I understand everyone out there. This is not what you do to actual animals. But Shadow is a fantasy animal. <laughs> and bleach dye is pretty in right now. <laughs> 
Yeah. Jonathan the Magimuscular <laughs> is going to walk over to the oh my God, the rock where the tuning up. fork is. Yes. He's going to pick it up. And you you can feel immediately what what this is. And unlike the tuning fork you got that's the, the one attuned to the material plane, this is a white dead coral. You can almost see the pores in it. It's very light and... It looks like it's made out of this this coral. You cannot understand how it would make any noise. It is not anything that should be resonant, but you feel that same magical attunement. He's gonna that will very very lightly. Ding. Does it sound like the ocean, like when you would put your head ear up against a seashell? There's an echo of that. There's a little bit of reverb. You do the thing in where you hold it up to the outside of your ear, just so that you can like. Uh, get it get it to resonate just enough so you can hear it without actually activating it the same way you did before and yeah there's there's an echo as though you're hearing this note through a, she- a seashell as though you'd put a conch on your head and the note you hear it's a low bass note it is almost outside of the range of your hearing it's it's almost like whale song Jonathan the Magimuscular now knows that his teleportation circle does not have a limit to the number of targets. It just opens and then people can run through it. Yeah, it's however many can get through in like six seconds, right? Yep. In a, in a, in a round? We're taking the express train home, folks. Wait, but will the horses... They'll fit. Isn't it not inside of the amethyst, the, the circle? We'll make it work. Jonathan the Magimuscular is... I think Jonathan's okay with them accidentally on the floor. Do you, do you want to send, let them know horses are coming through before they, like, trample the too bus- office? Too busy. And Jonathan the Magimuscular has already started the uh, the the circle inscriptions. And, he, and he's like... How long does it take you to cast that spell? Is it an action? Or? A minute. All right, cool. As he's doing this, I'm going to grab, like, a pen and parchment from the bag of holding and write, I had nothing to do with this. And just hold it as I run through. No, no, mount up. We're, we're riding through this. It's a first. As I ride through, I had nothing to do with this. All right, you're casting teleportation. You're all mounting up. Are you all mounting up? Or are you just, are some of you, well, like... I don't want, to, I don't want um, Horsey to, like, accidentally get left behind. So I will guide him through okay carlton's guiding his horse through jonathan are you riding or guiding riding it's gonna be epic as fuck <laughs> uh travancore travancore is only riding so that jonathan's not the only person riding okay and shadow's gonna say very close by your side bernie are you riding on your horse or coco's newt I guess she's riding on Coco Snoot and what? I guess I could guide her horse as well, Peanut Butter yeah. with two hands. Peanut butter's gonna go with uh, Carlton. Alright. But now that I have two horses in hands, the sign is now in my mouth. Like holding it with my mouth that I had nothing to do with this as I guide the two horses through. Jonathan, go ahead and describe uh your casting of teleportation in order to get you all God back. I'm assuming to the Amethyst Acropolis and Waterdeep. Yes. Okay. So Jonathan the Magimuscular, he normally he crushes the gem. And he's, they're already standing, so the the portal, like, it's basically just encompassing them and it disappears. This time, the portal is just going to... He crushes, and the portal stays open, and he's like, let's go. <laughs> rides right through. It's Travancore's catchphrase time. Travancore rides through. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that was... Okay. Do you all go through? Mm-hmm. All right, I need performance checks from just the four of you. Don't worry about... 
anything else. Just a straight performance roll from all four of you. I'm going to use a point of luck. <laughs> oh, dear. You don't need to. Bernie rolled a natural 20. Drink. Drink. Right, Bernie's got a Bernie's got a 22. Travancore, what'd you get? Seven. Travancore, the heart of the cards is not with me tonight. Carlton? Uh, 12. And uh, Jonathan, what'd you get? Also a 12. Excellent. You epically ride through, all of you, including the horses and your animal companions, arriving in the teleportation room of the Amethyst Acropolis. You hear the panicked uh, sounds of a rat zick as animals that should not be in this room on this stone floor suddenly clip-clopping and arriving. And as he comes around the corner frantically to see what is going on, feathers puffed as you all arrive, some of you in splendor, some of you grinning, all of you still steaming a little bit as you come into the cool, the warmer air from the the cool outside that you were, Travancore's horse takes a shit on the floor. And that is where we're going to pause. And the next time we get together, uh, you'll tell me what you would like to do before you are, decide to go to the elemental plane of water. To go looking for an instrument. Thank you, thank you all for indulging Jonathan the Magic Muscular's angry impulsiveness after Bernie's like, where the fuck did that plan come from? And that was amazing. I appreciated Jonathan had a had a whole a whole arc there that was a lot of fun to watch. But let me give you some experience and then uh next time we'll we'll have a little bit more oh, fun. Wow. For wow. everything. For, for that whole thing, for the negotiations, for, I, I don't know if you noticed, but I didn't ask for very many persuasion checks or rolls because uh, I believe that if you make a persuasive argument, it shouldn't matter what you roll. You've made a persuasive argument for working together as a team and also for uh, picturing being on a pirate ship. I'm going to give you a total of 12,000 experience to split between the four of you. And the next time we get together, plane of water. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you Megan, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Magic Dance, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.